Thank you for tuning in to the best parenting show on the internet. Post Daily Dose. Hey there, Post Institute. This is Christy Salda, co-founder, coming at you live. I hope you guys are having an incredible Monday. Marvelous, marvelous Monday. I hope it has been a fabulous day for you guys. And uh, welcome to the best little parenting show on the internet. We'll just keep that our own little secret. Um, so first of all, I want to plug these books real quick. Uh, Brian's book, From Fear to Love, that is on promotion at feartolovebook.com. If you go to feartolovebook.com, that is the place that you can buy this book for the least expensive price. So you get the best price for this book on feartolovebook.com. And we've also got Brian's book, The Great Behavior Breakdown. You can get this on Amazon as well as postinstitute.com. And then uh, last but not least, we have our new workbook. I want to make sure you guys know this is available in this exact format with pages you can touch with your fingers and write on on Amazon. That's the only place you can get a hard copy version. On our website, postinstitute.com, we have an ebook version that's available. We are working to get that in-house, but for those of you who are ready to get your little hands on it, which I don't blame you because it's really incredible, you're going to have to go to Amazon to pick that up, and I will put the link in the comments for those of you who want to do that. Um, and hi, Mimi. It's so good to see you. I hope you had a great day today. It is so cold outside that I'm just like, oh, makes my bones hurt. And I want to tell you guys, I noticed that we have a new feature. Um, I think it has something to do with the platform I'm using for Facebook to do the live, but it actually has an option for certain people, and I'm not sure what makes the difference but I have an option for certain people where I could bring you on camera. So maybe someday we'll do that. Like I see um, there's different people watching. It shows Tiffany's watching, Amy's watching, and Amy, like under your name, it says bring them on camera. So someday we'll do that. And I think that would be really cool for us to be able to just actually talk or maybe even bring on other guests for a little their little, their little tidbits. And uh, actually we're going to be doing some expanded versions of the Post Daily Dose. We've got a lot of great ideas coming up this year, things we're going to explore and experiment with and um, just to try to increase the value of what we share with you all. So my topic tonight, again, uh, with the new year, uh, I've really been encouraging you guys to create New Year's resolutions or goals that are related to your family relationships. And a big piece of how your family functions and relationships in your family have to do with us as parents because we are the leaders of our family. Uh, we have the ability to set the thermostat, so to speak, um, the emotional thermostat in our home. Um, I've been talking about these handouts, so I'm going to grab them just in case there's somebody watching who's not been watching. Um, so we have these handouts that are available for free on the Post Institute website. Um, one is Brian's four-point trauma-informed daily, daily checklist, which is really incredible. Um, it really, just this sheet alone could give you some great ideas for goals that you may want to set for yourself. 
<clears throat> and it's also a really great, it's a great tool for getting yourself ready. Getting yourself ready for the job of raising your children, especially for parents who are raising children who come from tough places. Um, there's an emotional guidance scale that can help you kind of identify where you're at emotionally and give some ideas of ways to create gentle nudging shifts. And then uh, we also have this thing called the mood monitor. That is an excellent tool to help identify trends because sometimes our moods are affected by a lot of different things, right? I mean, it could be nutrition, it could be sleep, it could be that we're not getting enough social activity or enough physical activity. It could be hormonal, it could be seasonal, it could be trauma-related, trauma anniversaries. So um, this is a great tool for any of us. Kids, actually the whole, the whole concept came from uh, something that my daughter found on Instagram about four years ago, and she shared it with me, and I thought it was the coolest thing. And so it's something that her and her friends do every year. They start a new one, and they grow and learn and get some insight into how they're feeling. And, um, you know, just being able to track those trends, I think, is really, really helpful. And being able to identify certain things that might be having an influence so my topic today has to do with tasks. We I talked a little bit about it on Sunday. It just sort of came about very organically on Sunday when I was talking uh, in my after church um, Facebook Live. What I realized is that this concept just kind of came upon me that tasks, the teaching of tasks, we spend a lot of time teaching our kids and then we spend a lot of time reminding them and urging them and trying to get them to do the tasks that are deemed necessary by somebody somewhere. And I say it like that because um, there are different things, different cultures have different ways of going about life. And when I say cultures, we have like the culture of the country of America or whatever country you may live in. And there is... There's a dominant story about what's right and wrong and how to do life in the country of America. Then we can actually break that down into um, sort of economic classes. We can break that down into our state, into our town, into our neighborhood, into our family. And so there's a lot of different levels of culture and dominant stories that dictate how we do life. And many of us may be raising children who come from a different culture. And I'm not saying different culture like different country, although that may be true, but they may also just, just coming out of a different family that did things differently. That too is a different culture. And so <laughs> our culture has a lot to do with dictating the tasks and what's important, what priorities are. There's a lot to it. And we don't really think about the fact that there's really a lot to it. And there's a lot more to it than just what we think and how we think things should go. Especially when we're raising children from adoption and foster care and orphanages and people who've lived maybe in several different families. So they've got a vast, you know, there's some kids who come from foster care who have a vast array of cultural experiences about how different families do different things, probably 
way more insight about that than what we may have. So the first thing is just to let that permeate your heart, just to let that understanding go, wow, let that be a light bulb, man. So not everybody folds towels the way you do. Um, some people, you know, they're clothes right now. My, I have a, I have a hospital bed in my living room. That's the culture of my home. It probably will always be there because that's the best place to store it in my house. Because sometimes when my daughter is recovering from a surgery, we need that. Or sometimes when she just doesn't feel good, we need that. So right now, though, the culture of my home says that's where the laundry goes when we're not do when we're not <laughs> when we're not using it, and I'm okay with that. I get all the clothes folded and put away about once a week, but in between then, you just never know. So the culture of your home. Every home has a different culture. It's important for us to take that to heart because it helps us understand our children. Our children may come from a different culture, a different family culture, a different home culture. They may have experienced lots of different cultures. We get really task-oriented about how people do life. And sometimes we, as parents, are very inflexible about that because we have our blueprints, we have our raising, we have a lot of things that fall into place that dictate to us what the culture is. So you can see where this can become a collision and we can lose grace and we can lose, we can lose the grace of understanding that and we can fall out of a mercy uh, in terms of, of just um, being gentle and teaching about the process. So there's that part. These tasks, the teaching of the tasks can be a great opportunity for relationship building. Uh, it could even be that we could put aside our idea about how things are supposed to be done and even give opportunities for our kids to teach us how they've done it in other places because maybe they've got some good ideas. It can be an avenue for relationship. What usually happens is we get really stuck in our way of doing things and that's just life. That's just part of how that happens. There's no, I'm not saying that like with a judgment, but we just are kind of stuck in how we go about doing things. And when other people don't do them the same way we do and it's within our very home, it really bumps up against. It can really create relational challenges because we're habitual. We have our patterns. We have our routines. And so when... There are people in our world who don't follow those same patterns and routines. It really disrupts us in at an emotional level. When in fact, this could all just be an avenue for building relationship if we stop and think about all that we're trying to do. Um, and have just real a real kind of place of... When I say gentle understanding, it's not necessarily that we're... Oh, like, you know, sometimes our teaching may not always be gentle and maybe gentle teaching isn't always what's needed. So it's it's just more like a posture of our heart where we have this understanding that what we're doing is tricky business. It's tricky business. So we all need to, you know, maybe lighten up a little bit, even have a little bit of sense of humor, even be able to laugh at our own selves and our own weird rigidities that we have, right? Our own quirks. We all have our own little quirks. Um, you know, we laugh about it on Facebook all the time. The whole controversy of which way the toilet paper should be hung or which way do we fold towels, which is the right way, which is the wrong way. But here's the thing that our kids are often very sensitive about being criticized or about doing wrong 
when they're making their best effort. Heck, I even hear that between spouses. Like, you know, I'm upset because my spouse doesn't help with the chores around the house. But when they help with the chores around the house, I gripe at them because they don't do it the way I do it. And so, you know, there's just a lot here. This is, I didn't even realize that when I picked the topic and started talking, how much there is. It's so rich, isn't it? This is such a rich topic about how the tasks and our routines and our quirks about how they get done can really, um, can create a lot of friction. It can create a lot of friction in our home. And so, um, just to be thoughtful about that. So that's the first thing is just to realize that mm, this is kind of a big deal. <sighs> Looking at ways that these can be avenues for building relationship means that we have to figure out where our children are emotionally so that we can be teaching from that place of understanding that emotional age versus chronological age. So we talk about, we have our, our chronological age that tells us how many years, dates, months, hours we've been out of the womb and on this earth. We have our cognitive age, which talks about our thinking processes. <clears throat> and then we have our emotional age. And for many of our children, um, because of trauma, there is, they are delayed in their emotional development. So on an ongoing basis, day in and day out, I see about a four-year lag. I don't know why that number just keeps coming up over all these years. It's just kind of that consistent. And then when they're really stressed out and overwhelmed, that regression will drop more to toddlerhood and infancy. So in your teaching of tasks, you have to have your finger on the pulse of the emotional age of your child at the time you're teaching them. And that can be tricky business. And so it may even be that we're asking for a lot of grace from our kids. Like, oh, you know, if, I, if I'm saying that in a way that feels like I'm talking down to you, forgive me. You know, just for us to be full of heart that this is, there's just a, there's a lot of complexity to this. The other thing though is a, a lot of times these tasks, these tasks become the thing that drives the wedge in the relationship. When in fact, what my experience tells me is that they're learning the tasks. And most of the time, and for most of us, what gets in the way of doing tasks and taking care of the things that we're supposed to take care of is less about knowing how to do it and more about our emotional state. Like if I'm feeling depressed um, or if I'm feeling judged, if I feel like if I go and do this task, you're gonna be right there correcting me every minute, then I wanna wait and do this task when nobody's watching me. So if I screw up, I don't have an audience. You know, there's that, that's a big one. I remember having that one quite a lot actually. Um, so, Teaching in a way that's meeting them at the emotional age where, where they are. And when I think about teaching any tasks, the first piece is they're watching. And they're watching all of it. So there's always the part where they're observing. And observing is a way of participating. So that's the first part of participating is watching. Um, 
Another phase of learning is like watching, but interacting while you're watching. Like I was talking about how um, my daughter used to always participate in all the chores around the house, with the exception of probably mowing the lawn. But she would participate by helping as much as she could, but also by, she would play music for me. And that was her job. I would say, well, your job is, my job is to do this and your job is to keep me company. Keep me company and, you know, play me music and, you know, and we would talk and be visiting and playing the music and doing the things we needed to do. And so it wasn't a dreaded experience. The other thing is, if you, if you're talking about how you hate to do this, I hate to, I hate to do my dishes, I don't like to do this, I don't like to do anything about those chores. If you fuss and cuss about it and it's not a joyful experience for you, then you can pretty well expect that your children will likely inherit that attitude towards doing chores and tasks around the house. So, you know, I'm not trying to say that you have to love it. It's not like that. But just that, you know, if you're going to bitch about it, they're going to bitch about it. So just be prepared for that and be okay with it. I remember Brian talking about, um, don't worry about them griping about it if they're doing it. So they could be me, 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 me. You know, I should, somebody else should have, but, 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 I shouldn't, but, but, you know how they, <laughs> you know how they do, right? Like it's their job to take out the trash, but they've not done their job. And then finally the trash is like piled to the ceiling and then they finally are doing their job. And then they're sitting there bitching about how everybody piled the trash on and blah, 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 blah. They're bitch, bitch, bitching, but they're doing it. Well, that's okay. They can just bitch, bitch as long as they're, long as they're going about doing it, it's okay. They'll get there to the place where it's, with less, uh, with less conflict, hopefully, with less uh, judgment of everybody else on the household, with less righteous indignation. That's really what that is, that sort of righteous indignation when I'm finally doing my chores. So how can, these, how can this process be something that can be relationship building without tearing down the relationship? So I think some of, the, some of it is really having your finger on the pulse of where your children are in, that emotion, in their emotional age, which varies moment to moment. <coughs> and that's, so that's not necessarily easy. And there can be lots of mistakes around that. <coughs> and knowing that just means that if you make a mistake, um, then you just ask for forgiveness, you know, just, oh, I didn't, you know, that, that wasn't my intention. I wasn't trying to be patronizing or wasn't meaning to talk to you like you were a child. I, you know, I'm doing my, doing my best to try to teach you the things that I feel like you need to know. But the, the thing is, is that most people, it doesn't take them long to learn how to do the chores around the house. And I'm just speaking when I say most, well, then I'm kind of talking to that bell curve, right, of when we're talking about um, IQ and physical ability and things like that. And so, you know, um, if there are developmental disabilities outside of emotional development, then you'll need to adjust how you teach. So observing is the first way of, of, of uh, learning, doing it alongside and with. That's a next level of learning. Doing it independently is advanced. It's very advanced. And a lot of times we won't see our kids doing the full-blown until actually they're out and away and it's kind of now on them and required. 
um, then you'll see uh, an elevation in their independence. But the thing that usually gets us stumbled up in being consistent and taking care of these tasks really has way more to do with our emotions. So um, depression, anxiety, feeling judged, uh, feeling fearful, all of those things are based in fear, right? And um, it's insecurities, uh, not feeling safe, meaning I don't feel safe to make a mistake because if I make a mistake, then you're gonna get on to me. And when you get on to me, everything in my brain goes haywire because my fear of abandonment, my fear of rejection, all of that gets activated. And I don't really know that that's what's activated because it's all subconscious. I just know I feel like I'm on fire and I hate your guts. So what you get when they're activated at that level is all that energy. Like it's all that defendedness. But all that defendedness is coming from this place in the heart that's just desperately fearful that you don't love them. So, we don't want tasks, the teaching of tasks, to become more important than the building of relationship. They're going to be able to perform the tasks better and more consistently when we're really focused more on just building relationship. Just focus on the building of relationship and being able to speak lovingly from your heart about things that you feel like are interrupting. Like, you know, there's like, I can just, <laughs> like as a parent, like, you know, if you didn't have that damn phone in your hand all the time, then you'd be able to get your stuff done, right? That's the feeling we have. And sometimes we just want to, we feel like we just want to like, you know, if you just could hear what I'm saying, but they can't hear that because that's too much. But they might be able to hear when you're on your phone all the time, I miss you. Like I really do because your phone's getting all your, all your attention and I'm not getting any and I miss you. I miss you. It's okay for us as parents to say those kinds of things. It's okay for us as parents to say things like, you know, I'm really not like mad that your room's not clean, but I start getting worried. I start getting worried way down the road that you're going to be a grown up and you're going to have your own children and you're not going to be able to keep your house clean. And then that's going to make a problem for you and your children. It's going to be dangerous for you and your children. Whatever you, and when we dig deeper, the position of your heart, dig deeper. Share your own fears with your children, especially your teens, especially your teens, to be able to, instead of always fighting about it and being in conflict about it, to be able to talk about what your fears are and talk about the things that are important. I remember with my son, and he was a hoarder. He grew up on the streets, and once he started accumulating things, he just, like, he everything seemed like it could be of value to him. So he just accumulated and accumulated. And then he would have all these papers and he wouldn't know what was important, what to throw away, what to keep. So then he had all these papers and like, oh my God, like it was. But for the most part, he contained it in his room, which I was really grateful for. That's kind of, that's kind of my boundary that I grew up with. And I felt like that was a good one, you know, like, you know, just, I don't want it in the living room. I don't want it in the common area where we all have to live. So, you know, if you can contain it to your bedroom, I'm pretty happy about that. Um, 
But then I got scared. I got scared for him when he had children. I got scared that the way he maintained his room growing up would be a safety issue. Um, I also got frustrated because food in the room was a boundary because bugs in my house isn't something I wanted. And bugs don't just stay in the room where somebody has food. They like to go everywhere to try to find more food, right? And so I told him that. I taught him that. I explained it, explained it, explained it. He didn't get it. And it wasn't that he didn't get it. It was that in the moment, it just left him. Because it didn't have the same level of meaning and significance to him as it did to me. And then one day, I kind of I kind of got that. I was like, there's... Because I knew he loved me. And I knew he didn't, he wouldn't just be intentionally trying to upset. Because we'd gone way past that, you know, we'd grown way past that. So I'm like, what in the heck is the deal with this continuing to bring food in here after I've asked you and told you a million times? Finally, I just sat down and I talked to him. I said, son, when you, when you bring, at this point now, when you bring food and stuff into your room and you leave the dirty dishes, I feel like you're disrespecting me. And when I said that, he said, oh, ma, no. Oh, I'd never mean to disrespect you. I just, like, I really just don't remember. I just get so caught up in what I'm doing. I said, well, I'll tell you what. I need to have permission from you then to remind you to get your dirty dishes out of here without it being a fight because I don't want to fight with you anymore. I'm over that. I don't have the energy for it anymore. I don't like how it makes me feel and I don't like how it makes you feel. And so that became our agreement and it worked out. And after he had his own children, he said, now I know. Now I understand why you used to keep after me about all of this because it's a big deal when you have little kids, isn't it, Ma? I said, yes, baby. Exactly. Exactly. The things that I want you to learn are not just because. There's a bigger, there's a bigger picture. A lot of us grew up with do what I say just because I said and I'm the grown-up. And there's a time and a place for that, I suppose, but I find it more helpful to be able to give an age-appropriate, simple explanation for why this is important and see where it takes you. That sometimes our kids, they do, you know, because especially if they come from a different culture, whether it's a different country, a different state, a different town, a different neighborhood, or a different home. They come from a different culture and you may need to help them understand why these things are important to you and to the culture of your home. Let learning tasks be something that helps build relationship and when they are struggling to complete tasks that tells us that we're having their you know, they may be depressed. They may be anxious. There could be a lot of things going on underneath of that besides just the idea that they are defiant. There could be a lot of other things that are running that show, so to speak, besides just the idea that they're bad children who are defiant. It can be, you know, defiance can actually be coming, can be rooted in a place of insecurity and a lack of trust, especially when you're talking about children who have at different times already taken care of themselves and their siblings. You know, there's just, 
the thing, I just want to let you know that there's just always a lot below the surface. There are so many possibilities. There are so many other possibilities below the surface besides them just being jerks. So we got to get underneath there. We got to think deeper. We got to get underneath there and think about what on earth could be going on that would lead my child to be in that space. And that's where we meet them. Remember the picture of the iceberg. If all we focus is on is behavior, then we're like that little yodeler, you know, the little guy on uh, The Price is Right, yodeling up there, crack, crack, cracking on that iceberg, right? And off comes a chunk of ice, but what's under the iceberg is huge. It's huge, and it's what's the driving force. And once we get one behavior addressed, well, more stuff's just gonna pop up from under the surface because we're not addressing what's going on underneath. So this conversation is about tasks, understanding that they may come from a very different culture and understanding that we have to get below the surface. We have to see them at the emotional age that's presented at the time and in every opportunity that we have, use these tasks as opportunities to build relationship do more with them until you really have the sense that they have a desire to do these things independently. They may not do tasks independently because they want to spend time with you. So what a great way to spend time together, right? It doesn't matter if your 12-year-old can clean their room by themselves. If they want your help and you can do it together and you can put some music on and you know, it could actually be a pretty fun little thing to do. You know, you get to see things about them that you might not have noticed or seen. Um, they're opportunities. They're opportunities to build relationship. So I hope that at some point today, this evening, if you've not already done this today at some point, put aside everything you're stressed about, everything you're worried about, everything you've been fussing about, everything you've been teaching about. Just put it all aside. You're going to have time tomorrow, God willing, to do more of it. But just take some time and enjoy your kids. Laugh with them. Play with them. Wrestle. Watch a movie. Snuggle up. Read a book. Color a picture. Do a project. Whatever it is. To just enjoy them as the unique, beautiful humans that they are. Let the love you have for them shine from your eyes. Right now, as I'm saying that, I'm thinking about each of you. I'm thinking about how hard you work to help your babies feel safe and loved. How much I appreciate you for that. I hope you can see the love and appreciation I have for you shining from my eyes. I hope your children can feel that love you have for them from your heart. And remember what Brian tells us. In any given moment, we can act out of those blueprints of stress and fear and overwhelm. This isn't about being perfect. We are all human there will be times that things happen and we flip our lid and we act out of stress, fear, and overwhelm. But we can also take one to two to three deep breaths and we can choose love. Much love to you all. Have a blessed evening and we'll see you all.